I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Today's episode is a bonus episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Small Business Pivots. I'm your host, Michael Morrison, a small business coach, and together we are going to explore the stories the strategies and pivots that small business owners have made to build successful businesses doing a million dollars and more. Our guest today, Kara Golden, is world-renowned. Kara is the founder and former CEO of Hint, Inc., best known for its award-winning Hint Water, the leading unsweetened flavored water. She has received numerous accolades, including being named EY Entrepreneur of the Year 2017 Northern California, and one of InStyle's 2019 Badass 50. Previously, Kara was VP of Shopping Partnerships at America Online. She hosts the podcast, The Kara Golden Show, and her first book, Undaunted Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, was released October 2020 and is now a WSJ and Amazon bestseller. Let's get to Kara now and learn the pivots she made in life and business to build a successful empire from the ground up. All right. Welcome, Kara, to Small Business Pivots. I appreciate you taking time. What part of this wonderful world do you come to us from? I am in Marin County, so just outside of San Francisco, about 20 minutes north of the city. Oh, very cool. So if I or a listener were to visit there, is there something special to do around that that you like to do? You know... There's a lot in Marin County. I mean, we're right smack in between uh, the wine country and then uh, and San Francisco. Um, but there's there's a lot of hiking trails. Okay. Uh, there's also the bay. Uh, so on one side of the 101 is forest. Yeah. Um, and my house backs up to a hundred acres of trails. Wow. And uh and the other side of the 101 is uh the San Francisco Bay. So if you want to go uh if you want to go sailing or uh, my latest uh toy is <laughs> something called the Red Shark bike, Ooh. um, which which uh is amazing. And it's a bike on a paddleboard and um oh. Yeah, it's so fun. That's something and, you can do on the ocean? Uh yeah, as a yeah, matter of fact, okay. but the bay is pretty mellow. I oh, mean, okay. you know, once you it's interesting, there's there's the bay and then there's the Golden Gate Bridge and just mm-hmm. beyond the Golden Gate Bridge, uh you have to be a pretty good sailor uh to be on that other side of the Golden Gate Bridge because okay. there's uh the currents are pretty so the 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 joke, I guess it's not very funny if you ever got stuck over there, but the joke is that you uh would be headed for China. Oh. And so because it's it, <laughs> it is, takes um, you. It takes you. And wow. so I've actually been on some sailboats with some pretty good sailors. And you can see, I mean, it literally is um on a windy day. 
I mean, it's it's pretty. You have to be a pretty good sailor. So um, wow. I don't sail. I I join people who are good sailors, <laughs> but um, I have a couple sons that sail. But um, you know, even though they're great sailors, they're still not as as uh, as equipped to uh, actually do the kind of sailing that goes beyond the Golden Gate Bridge. So so that's cool. the story of Marin. Yes. Well, that's nice to know because I love to hike and and we don't hear that there's hiking trails like that. So I appreciate you sharing. So if I ever come that way, I know I can hike because I love hiking. Definitely. Um, definitely. Well, you are one of the most impactful, inspiring people that I know on this planet. I love connecting with you on LinkedIn. Every day you share some posts that help people. And I know as entrepreneurs and founders, CEOs, we don't always hear those impactful stories. And so I just want to share one with you real quick, because that kind of leads in. That's the segue into my first question. So I, uh, Leland and Tish Tate, who own Fiddler Marketing, it's a food sales service agency. They represent food and beverage. They came to me one day because I had just gone through a nasty business split, a partnership split. And so it caused the business to go file bankruptcy, caused me to file bankruptcy. And Leland came to me and said, hey, we have a second floor we're not using in our building. Why don't you use that to get back on your feet free of charge? I still get goosebumps thinking about that because I was like, wow, there's people that care. There's people that's impacting others. Yeah. And so I was in his office one day. And he said, you want a, a bottle of water? And I said, sure. And so he handed me a, you know, a hint water bottle. And I said, what is that? And he said, just try it. You'll love it. We we drink it all the time. And so I tried it and I was like, wow, where do you get this from? And he said, well, you have to order it on Amazon. I was like, but wait, you're in the food beverage, rep- you know, you represent all these lines and we can't get that. And he said, well, just order it online. To this day, they in Oklahoma, they are your biggest fans and they are raving fans. And not only that, but this day currently, they represent Hint in Oklahoma and Texas. So you are impacting people you don't even know about. They led me to Hint. I drink it now. And you also, I know they're very gracious for your business, but not only that, but you bring a healthy product to the market because I'm like you. I've read the book, so I know that water tastes boring from time to time. So we need a little flavor in it. So you're not only impacting others in a financial way, but you're also impacting others in a healthy way. So, but this also possibly didn't happen because you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur. So what do you think that means? And what, what impact do you, are you using in that platform? Well, you know, it's interesting. I never, thought that I was going to become an entrepreneur. And not that there was anything wrong with being an entrepreneur, but we we didn't have uh, in college a, a major in entrepreneurship or yeah. people weren't talking about becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, so when I graduated from school, I wanted to be a journalist. I <laughs> wanted to write. I wanted to change the world. So I guess that's kind of like being an entrepreneur, yeah. how entrepreneurs describe themselves. Uh, but it was um it wasn't until I had had experiences that really helped me to understand that if I didn't actually take the idea that I had and put spikes in the ground, as I yeah. as I like to say, and uh and actually go out and try to solve the problem, that I was actually becoming an entrepreneur. I'll never forget when I got the first bottles on the shelf at Whole Foods in San Francisco. I um 
a friend, I was sharing with a friend. I didn't tell very many people because I, I was known as a tech executive. And here I was like creating a product, a water product in my kitchen and getting it on the shelf at Whole Foods. And so I was sharing with a close friend of mine and she said, that's so cool that you decided to become an entrepreneur. And I stopped in my tracks and I thought, I decided to become an entrepreneur. No, no, I'm just getting a bottle on the shelf at Whole Foods. And yeah. she said, no, you're you're starting your company. You created a product that is going to help a lot of people. That's an entrepreneur. Yes. And I uh, and I was like, oh, no, that's really scary. Entrepreneurs, like that's a really hard thing. Um, that's, that's, uh, takes a lot of money. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, people like Steve Jobs are entrepreneurs. Right. I'm not an entrepreneur. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and so, um, but, but what I realized more than anything is that entrepreneurs come in all shapes and sizes. Some people who become entrepreneurs and successful entrepreneurs will tell you that they always knew that they were going to be an entrepreneur. Mm. And that wasn't me at all. But I think more than anything, I figured out that I had an idea and it was mine to go out and try. And I also think it was really helpful to be able to have worked for people that were entrepreneurs. Um primarily in in media and in and uh in tech. Uh I worked early on for uh Ted Turner, not directly for Ted Turner, mm -hmm. but in his organization when it was in only about 40% of households. Wow. Um so think of all those like little channels right now on um on uh you know your TV that you know you're just now hearing about it. Maybe the content isn't exactly what you want to subscribe to right now, but right. that was CNN. And uh, when I was there, and and then ultimately, I ended up moving out to Silicon Valley and ended up working for a startup that was a spin out of Apple. That oh, was wow. a Steve Jobs idea. And uh, Steve didn't come with it. Um, but a whole group of people that had worked on the project inside of Apple decided to start this company. And uh, it was five guys who had amazing experience at Apple, but had also, um, Steve had left Apple and they had decided to leave Apple as well and start this company. And um, so the combination, I think, of being in sort of a mid-size with CNN startup and then a really early stage startup. Yeah. That that gave me the courage to know that most of the time neither of them knew what they were doing. Right. Um, they had an idea uh that uh, that was um that was both of them had great ideas but they also had a vision that wasn't uh incubated yet. Yeah. And and wasn't mature yet and what they really needed needed was um, beyond the idea, they needed to execute. They needed to um, to uh, put stakes in the ground for their team to say, okay, here's where we're going. Here's the successes. Okay, we had a little bit of a failure here, but that's okay. Let's get back up again and we can go left this time. Right. Uh, we were going right before and we can we can go left. So I think it helped a lot to know that uh i guess 
to coin the the name of my book Undaunted, it became less daunting for me having yeah. seen and worked for entrepreneurs uh, who were trying to build something and ultimately did. And then finally, uh, our that little startup I was talking about was acquired by another startup, hmm. uh, which I was at prior to starting my own company, which was called America Online. Oh, wow. and um, and so Steve Case uh, was was at the helm, and um, it was a an online service. Um, Steve probably wouldn't want me to uh, say this, but it was not. The leading online service. Uh, <laughs> when they acquired us, there was CompuServe and Prodigy and a oh, few yeah. others out there. Wow. And um, and so, you know, I also saw what it meant to be an underdog, right? And doing things that were a little bit different uh, and trying to create a more uh, simple, graphically interesting service um, that Steve really believed was what consumers wanted. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. 
That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, The Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And I ultimately was running the e-commerce and online partnerships for America Online. Uh, That's what I was doing inside of this tiny little startup prior to him acquiring us. And ultimately that became, uh, AOL became a big company, the number one online service and a, uh, and it was, you know, an incredible run. It was the early days of direct to consumer when no one thought that it was going to happen. Um, People who were my clients, like, you know, Jeff Bezos, that was my bookstore. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, wow. you know, crazy time of, uh, of, uh, of being in a place where there was a bunch of builders and a bunch of creators. Hmm. That's, that's interesting because most of our listeners are either small business owners that are stuck and not getting anywhere, or there are people considering starting a business, but they're fearful of failing. And you mentioned two of the big things right there. One is having the belief. And in other words, these companies started small. You got to start somewhere. And all companies do was having having the belief and then also failing. Would you consider those kind of two key traits that some, or experiences that people should go through to understand it's okay to fail. It's okay to start small, but you got to believe what you're doing from your experience, from your point of view. How did you see that in those names that you were talking about? Well, I think that a lot of people talk about failure. I I talk about, I've had plenty of failures. I don't think anybody uh, 
does or or should plan on failing, right? right? (laughs) I mean, it's just not, it's not in your business plan that you're going to go out and spend money and time and all of these things and go out and fail. But the reality is, is that you will. There will be failures along the way. And hopefully you're going to learn from those things. Uh, But absolutely. I mean, I think that that the key thing is, is, you know, curiosity. And um, I, I, now uh believe i don't know if i would have been able to articulate it back then but i think people are given a gift right mm-hmm. and they they're given an idea and uh they're given a uh maybe some introductory tools to go out and try and solve something and if they don't do it that's a choice right yeah. it's it's sort of uh i think about it as sliding doors right you uh, you know, you can either take that door or not take that door. Right. But if you take that door, what what I think is that you're not going to regret it, right? The number one thing I had Daniel Pink on my podcast a uh, f- few weeks ago. He's a pretty well-known author. Yeah. And, uh, and he has a new excellent book out called Regret. And, mm. uh, and uh, I think that's the actual name of it, but it's about regrets. Yeah. And, um, and it, you know, it's fascinating because the number one, he did a survey of 30,000 people worldwide, and he figured that the regrets of people in America would be different than the regrets of people in India or hmm. Female regrets would be different than male regrets or education. Yeah. He he based it on a lot of different things. And while there were some differences in how people articulated different things, the the number one regret was not actually doing something or sitting in one place. Yeah. So he it, so he talked about travel that like the people who never went outside of their hometown, they never went and found a new job. Um, all of these things, um, it it sort of leads back to we have to go outside of our comfort circle. We have to go out and try things because the last thing you want to live with is regret. Regret. Yeah. I didn't survey 30,000 people, but I have surveyed a lot of elderly people as I get older, just kind of asking what they would have done differently. And there's two words that I hear more often than not that they say, and it's I wish. And that wish could have been, but they're at that point in their life where they're not mobile anymore, or maybe they don't have the the mind to to work in the capacity like when they were younger. So it's a huge regret. Like they wish they would have done this or that. And uh, so that's a great point. And so you think it's called regret? Is the book? I'm pretty sure I've got it around here somewhere, but it's uh, it's yeah, I think it's called regret. Okay. It's Daniel Pink, um, and uh, it's. Yeah, let me just see really yeah quick. I, I love that that idea it's it's really it's a quick read and um I mean he's he's just brilliant and he's written seven books and it's just uh he's definitely a uh he's incredible uh the power of regret the power How of looking regret. backward moves us forward okay very and, cool thanks for sharing so is it already yeah, out or do you know you say it yeah, is yeah. Already- no okay. it's it's okay. already out so it's um it's really great yeah it's it, it's 
interesting. After I interviewed him, I thought a lot about uh, my father had actually come from the food industry. He developed huh. a product uh, called Healthy Choice yes. and uh, was at originally an armor food company where he developed it. And then they were acquired by ConAgra. Long, crazy story of a journey that he had. But ultimately, when he was 65, he retired. And um, and that was, you know, kind of the the way things were had to require. Yeah, like it was just you. That's what you had to do. And he was counting down the days until he retired. He loved to play golf. So he's like, I'm going to go and play golf every single day. It's going to be amazing. And after about a week, he couldn't find anybody to play golf with him because he had <laughs> friends. Like, and he got, he was so lonely. And he was like, this was really stupid. Like, why did I think that not actually having a plan, not actually mm. knowing what I was going to do next and what I was going to be spending my time on? And so is when he passed away, I mean, the one thing that he regretted, he's like, never retire. <laughs> always be doing something, do something, do nonprofit work, do always have something that keeps you busy and yeah. keeps your mind thinking about things. And, um, and, you know, playing golf every single day, even though he loved it was just not going to do it for him. Plus it was really expensive and right. all of those things. <laughs> but, uh, but it was, but, you know, it's interesting because people think that, you know, I'm just going to stay home. I'm just going to, mm you know, do this. And it's really not that great. You have to go outside of your comfort zone and have to, whether that's traveling or um, starting a company or whatever that is. Yeah, th that's great advice. I hear from small business owners who I mostly work with as a business coach, and they want to hit that million dollar mark. And for those of us, or for those that hit that million that we've helped, their first response is, I thought I would feel differently. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, that's because you just set the bench here and you don't have anything to look forward to afterwards, which is like what you're talking about. I want to retire. Well, you get there and it's boring, you know? So, totally. Yeah. So go out of your comfort zone. You're given lots of nuggets here. Well, speaking of books, we've got Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. What, uh, what inspired you to write this and a little bit of a background on that? So I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. I'm also an accidental author. Yeah. Uh, this was essentially my uh, my journal that I was writing over the course of many years. And what I found was a few years into starting Hint, people would ask me to come and speak and and uh, you know do keynotes, but also just do different panel discussions. Some of them were with conferences um, where lots of people could come and enjoy. Others were inside of companies where I was talking to executives and um, and mastermind groups as well. Yeah. And I found that there were a lot of things that I had been through, not only from an operational standpoint that I could share my stories, uh, but also from a how do you get outside of your comfort zone? How do you, uh, people would ask questions at the end, um, you know, saying like, oh, what you've done is really courageous or um, tell me how you got started or whatever. And so I would tell these stories. And then after my journal was about 600 pages, <laughs> I finally was saying to a friend of mine who's an author of a book that's a nonfiction book. Um, and I said, so, 
what is the best way for me to take my notes? Most of them were handwritten notes that I would be writing on airplanes or just late at night because I also love to write. And I said, what's the best way to actually bind my notes and get it out there to people? Because I think there's a lot of people who don't go to these conferences or yeah. don't work at companies that you know hire me to come in and and share some of uh, these this journey. And uh, she said, you mean write a book? And I'm like, oh no, that's too, I don't have time to write a book. I mean, and she said, what? You have 600 pages. You should, you know, the biggest thing is no one's going to read a 600 page book. You probably need to take it down yeah. a bit. Uh, so that was kind of the the original thinking. And that was about five years ago. And it took me a couple of years to actually uh, get it out the door. Um, the key thing that I found was actually getting an editor that could really take my writing and uh and edit it down and pull out the stories that were you know really critical and yeah. uh because there were so many stories and so part of the reason you and I met on on LinkedIn that part of the reason why I write so much is I have a lot more stories right yeah. and I have a lot of um I'm I'm also uh I, I've also believed that a lot of these stories, even the ones that weren't included in the book, can really help people to get mm -hmm. through challenging times and hard days. I, I I found when I was first starting Hint, especially most of my network was not doing what I was doing. They were um, they were in tech. They were you know working inside of America Online or yeah. CNN or um, Apple and. So when I'm starting a beverage company, I found like I was an outsider to so many people in the beverage industry. And some of the stories that I talk about in the book, it relates to that, right? Like it's like you can't, many people, I didn't have credibility because I hadn't worked at Coke or Pepsi or Nestle. Yeah. And, and so, and again, like, you know, it wasn't because these were people were necessarily bad people. They just, that's what they believed. They believed that you had to, it, it, there's just no way that somebody could start a company if they hadn't been trained. Right. And the reality is in every single industry uh, that, you know, most of the great ideas, most of the transformational uh, ideas, categories within an industry actually come from people who are consumers that are yeah. interested in in starting something especially an idea that's never been out there that is uh that is solving a problem for them initially yeah. and they they just can't believe that it isn't out there and so then they go try so it's not the experienced people that you necessarily need to worry about yeah it's the people who are hungry enough, who are creative enough, who are willing and crazy enough to actually go and start something that they can't get it out of their head. Yeah. Now that's that's a great point because I share with business owners, if money is your only only objective, you're probably not going to hit the mark. It's about that passion. It's about that learning experience, about the failures and things like that in small business. And I just interviewed another dear friend of mine that's on LinkedIn. I don't, I think y'all are connected, but Erica Rankin, she's a 
inspiring up and coming female entrepreneur. She's in Canada. She, her story is similar to yours. So you accidentally kind of created flavored water based on your, you know, unsweetened flavored water. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and she was in bodybuilding. And so for those that don't know, if you're in competition, you have to report to your coach every day, you're the calories, the protein, and she loves cookie dough. So she just like, I can't do without cookie dough. So she just started making a healthy dose of cookie dough, putting it in her freezer, similar to your story. Somebody said, Hey, you need to start selling that. And, and now she is, and she's in Canada. She's looking to launch this end of 2023 or early 24 into the United States. And so she's, uh, She's got lots of questions, but she's learning. It was an accident. And so your story is similar. And, and she's driving around in the back of her Jeep, handing out, you know, um, bro dough, cookie dough, edible, healthy cookie dough. And she has a question like many people in the food and beverage do. And since you've already been here, if you don't mind answering this. So she's always wondering, like, should I hire a sales broker before I scale to scale? Or how did you do that? How, or what point did you bring on a sales broker to represent you? Did you find that time of investment best for Hint? Yeah, I mean, I think it just depends. But you have to, I believe, get traction first. So it's, mm. you know, the hardest thing for an entrepreneur is you've got this great idea, right? And maybe somebody uh, gives you this uh, this hope. Right, that that yeah. this idea could really become something, and maybe consumers are starting to buy your product. The the hopefully they're starting to buy your product or your service. But the interesting thing is, is that I think that it's it's kind of a combination of, and and it mostly boils down to the fact that you're overwhelmed, you're tired as a yes. founder, right? And so all of a sudden, this idea comes in your head, like, you know, we can save you, we can, we can go and sell this for you. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is that I think you, you only hire these people, because maybe they can scale your business and all of these things, but you hire these people, because you don't have time to do it. You're trying to duplicate yourself. That doesn't mean that you're not continuing to do it. Because especially in the early days, having a founder, having somebody who really has a passion and, and is able to articulate why they're actually getting started, I think it's super, super key. So the frustration, I think, for many founders when they hire um, brokers or a sales team um, is that you know they're not doing it as well as you were oh. doing it, right? And and they probably won't, right? Yeah. They don't have the same passion and ideas. Maybe they've got connections that you don't have, but I think that the way to get around that is that you never stop selling. Right. You're the founder. You're the visionary. You're the reason why this product is where it is. Right. And you need to be able to, you know, stay in the game. Maybe you're not doing it every day, uh, but you have to stay connected. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Yeah. That's good advice. So, with that, when you're building a business or scaling a business, there's a lot of doubts and fears. What are some of those that you talk about in Undaunted? And also, was there any 
I know with a lot of small businesses, we have a, a blocked mindset from something in our early childhood. What maybe it's self worth or a traumatic event, parents divorced, died, or something. What What are some of those things that you talk about, and how can people overcome those? Well, I think the key thing. I'm trying to think what the uh. There's a couple of different questions there. Which one do you yes. want me to? <laughs> right. um, I'm just full of them. Uh, so the the mindset, overcoming mindset, I guess would yeah. be a good start. I think that the key thing is, and I think it goes back to really the the last question around um, the journey, the early days of of starting a company. Um, you know, you're getting started. You're you're working harder than you've ever worked in your life because you're starting a product from nothing. You're constantly explaining it. Uh, you're constantly um, dealing with all of the details to actually get it off the ground and and get traction. And I think that the the after a while, um, those those doubters around you start to feed in to your own doubts, right? Because you're yeah. thinking, I've never worked this hard. Maybe it's actually not working, right? Yes. Maybe that's why things are so hard because if things are really hard, doesn't that mean that it's not supposed to be, right? Right. But the reality is, is that when you're spending a lot of time sharing this idea with people and it's an idea or a product that they've never seen before, and that was our situation with unsweetened water yet on the other side of the table for me from the people that were actually saying yes to put it on the shelf to manufacturers to um you know consumers to people in the industry they were all kind of coming at me right saying yeah. like this is never going to work it wouldn't be this hard if it was really going to work. Uh Coke and Pepsi would have launched this product already if it was supposed if it was going to be like a big deal. Yeah. And and so after a while, I think because you're tired, right? Yes, very. You, you start you're like, "Uh okay, maybe they're right. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Why am I doing this? I could make a lot more money going back into tech. I could have a lot less hours, uh, yes. you know, put into working, I, lots of things, but I'm not going to be creating anything anymore. And so you almost have to go back and, uh, and kind of, uh, defend your own doubts. Right. And, right. and because the, the weight of other people's doubts coming in, at some point starts to make you feel like uh they're ganging up on you and maybe you should just throw in the towel. And I think that that's a very, very real consideration um for for many founders in any industry and small business owners as well. Yeah. And a lot of times it takes sometimes it can just take one defining moment. I know for you and your book, what what were you called in one of those execs office? Was it sweetie or babe or yeah, sweetie. <laughs> sweetie. Sweetie. Yes. Yeah. And uh he was a senior executive at that little soda company in Atlanta. <laughs> and um, you know, it was a friend connected us together primarily because I was having one of those days where I was like, 
this is so hard. I can't figure this problem out. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out how to actually uh, bottle a product without without preservatives in it. A bottle, you know, Hint doesn't have sweeteners in it, but it has fruit in the product. So no one was actually creating a beverage with fruit in it that was a water product that didn't have didn't have preservatives in it. Yeah. And so when I asked people, uh, the manufacturers that a lot of co-packers around the country, um, if if they could do this product without preservatives, uh, that was part of my specs. They said it's impossible. So I finally had heard that word impossible so many times. Mm. And I was sharing with a friend uh, that we've gotten some traction early on, but we're barely staying in Whole Foods primarily because we needed a longer shelf life. And in order to have the shelf life, we needed to add preservatives in it, according to lots of people, but no one can really ask answer the question, why, why? when I yeah. asked them. And so uh, finally, she connected, she knew somebody at, at Coca-Cola and I reached out and or she connected me and we had a, a call. And I think the initial meeting with the gentleman at Coca-Cola was perhaps to find out like why. Right. I had asked a lot of people, but uh, maybe he knew um, he had been in Coca-Cola for many years and had also done a lot of operations. And so maybe he knew. Uh, but probably a few days before this call was coming up, I had this idea that maybe I could just sell the company to him. Like maybe I could just give him the company. I mean, yeah. at this point, I was just trying to cut my losses, right? Because right. I was exhausted. I was putting my own personal money into the company um, and not seeing, you know, where the light was going to be, yeah. right? And and how soon it was going to come. And so when he, when we had a very nice initial, you know, 15 minutes, I was kind of selling him on the idea of like how great the company was. And he interrupted me about 15 minutes in and said, uh, sweetie, Americans love sweet. This product isn't going anywhere. Oh, wow. And I, had, I didn't even get a chance to like offer him the company or talk to him about purchasing it. Um, I didn't even have an opportunity to ask him about like, do you know why? Instead, I was so like put off, shaken by the fact yeah. that this very senior person who's like, you know, should know everything about beverages was telling me that my company wasn't going anywhere mm -hmm. and that uh, consumers really liked sweetened products. And he uh, started that conversation by saying, sweetie. <laughs> and I was like, for the first five minutes, I thought, did he just call me sweetie? I've <laughs> never been called sweetie before in my life. Um, but, uh, but it's interesting. I think my reaction to that, though, was, um, again, like I didn't wake up that morning thinking that I was going to be called sweetie. I also yeah. didn't wake up that morning thinking that I would have this reaction to it. I thought I can do a couple of different things with that comment. Mm -hmm. I can uh, hang up the phone. I could uh, I could 
be angry about it. I could uh, I could stay on the line and and try and understand why he thinks what he thinks. Yeah. Um, and that's what I did. And so we continued to have a conversation for about 45 minutes. He did most of the talking. And what I found was that I was actually learning his strategy. And what he believed this consumer, he he did millions of dollars worth of research, which yeah. I hadn't done. And he was sharing why he believed what he believed. Now, I disagreed. Yeah. I didn't see all the data, but I disagreed with what he was saying because I was his consumer. I had drank Diet Coke for many, many years, yeah. thinking that the word diet was actually getting me healthy. Like most and people do. Like most people do. And that idea, that interpretation of language pushed me into an addiction mm. of diet sweeteners. And I never viewed myself as, uh, as having an addiction to diet sweeteners until one day I woke up when I was really focused on my own, my, actually my kids' health, e even before my own health. And I thought, you know, it's so crazy. I'm trying to limit sugar that I'm giving my kids initially yeah. with juice. I was trying to cut back on, on juice, my little ones at that time. And, uh, and I thought of, I thought I'm a hypocrite. Like here I am, like I'm having sweet, but I'm having diet sweeteners I didn't feel like it was a great idea to give mm -hmm. my kids diet sweeteners, but I felt like they weren't going to have regular water because it's boring. I yeah. always thought plain water was really boring. So that's when I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in the water. Mm. And, uh, and it was at that moment when, you know, I had been through that little journey. I thought, here's, there's a problem out yeah. there that I don't think I'm the only one that has this problem. There's multiple problems um, with other people being confused by this uh, term diet. But in addition to that, I think if there was this alternative product that was out there, that would help a lot of people. You could give it, I would drink it. I could give it to my kids and their sippy cups. Like there yeah. were lots of different scenarios that I could see without even doing any research. And here this gentleman was telling me that this didn't exist. Hmm. And I thought, I don't know. And then I would take my drink that I created in my kitchen and I would go to the park or I would go to the gym. And everyone was asking me what kind of fruit I had in my water. I had a clear bottle yeah, and they would see like a pomegranate in the in the bottle and people would say what do you have in your water and i'm like uh today i have raspberry and apples and they're yeah. like that's such a great idea like does it have any sugar in it no just whatever's in the fruit right and they said wow you don't add anything else to it i've got to try that and i thought why isn't somebody making it so much easier yeah, for yeah. people to have this product and the last thing i'll say is after that, sweetie, uh, and after him sharing what he believed was uh, 
what the consumer wanted. That's when I hung up the phone. I think he probably thought that, you know, he had taken a chess piece off the table yes. at this point. Yeah. That I was not, he didn't even consider me at, in the game, right? Yeah. Like he was just like, okay, I did my phone call with this crazy woman in Marin County and now she's gone. Uh, but what I thought is eventually he's going to get it. Yeah. He's going to he's going to get it and he has a lot more money than I do and he's going to be able to go faster than I am. And so I've got to throw the foot on the gas or quit. Right. That's another yeah. option, but I thought I it, it was like it was like a light bulb went off in my head because I just thought he doesn't get it and this product will not be out there if he doesn't believe it will not be out there yeah. through him. And so I need to do what I I need to develop this product if I really want a product like this out there on the market for consumers to help them drink water right. taste better without sweeteners. Yeah. So he just added fuel to the fires, what he did. <laughs> he did. And, you know, that's happened to me in multiple instances, not just with the actual product, but how we delivered the product. I mean, the number of people in 2012 who said to me in the beverage industry and in the food industry too, that uh, that you can't deliver heavy cases of water to people, right? Mm. Through a direct-to-consumer model. right? And no one was really doing it successfully. And when I saw that our product actually was selling on Amazon, that gave me the the courage, I guess, to know that there's no, there's actually people that are starting to buy food and buy drinks online. Uh, we became, we did a test there. We became the number one product in Amazon grocery pretty quickly. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. And again, like, People were shocked. They were like, oh, there's no way. I mean, Amazon has all these uh has all these savings, you know, because of volumes and this and this. And I thought maybe that's true, but you know, we're definitely, you know, doing great business through Amazon. Now, about a year into working with Amazon, that's when I was up in the Seattle offices. Um hearing from everybody, including our main investor that, you know, why are we, why are we doing this? Like, this is crazy that we're actually delivering cases. Like, shouldn't we be supporting retailers? Yeah. And I kept saying, you know, you, you've got to support the consumer because mm -hmm. the consumer is choosing to shop this way for other yeah. products and they will be shopping this way. Uh, they're already showing us the early, uh, signs, the early days of, of shopping for food and beverage products. The, the key thing that I saw on that meeting up in Seattle that day was that the, uh, we would not get the emails, um, from Amazon. Yeah. And so, so there was this, even having worked in tech for a long time, the, I had sort of forgotten about Amazon being a retailer, right? For me, they were still a a way for us to sell product online. Yeah. And so I was given a um 
a very thorough explanation um, by the Amazon buyer how Amazon is no different than Whole Foods, uh, is no different. This is before they owned Whole Foods, no different than uh, a Starbucks or anybody else. Like they have your data. Uh, it's, it's not your data. Once yeah. you actually wholesale a product to a retailer, they own the consumer experience. And what they were sharing with me about what they were seeing, but they weren't willing to actually allow me to reach out to any of these consumers that were buying through Amazon was that they were not only buying Hint in their purchases, uh, but they were also buying other things in other categories. And that's why they were so interested in Hint because it was one of the first products that crossed over, um, made the ring in, in the shopping cart higher. So the, yeah. um, so people were buying things like diabetes monitors and hint. People were buying things like kind bars and hint. People were buying things like exercise equipment. And so hmm. you were able to kind of see a, a, you were able to see sort of the profile of who this consumer was that, they were healthy or they wanted health. Um, maybe they were trying to fix a health issue, whatever these issues were. And, you know, that was my reason for starting the company. And so yeah. I was very curious. Um, they weren't going to give me the data. And that's when I went back to San Francisco that evening and shared with uh, my my husband, our chief operating officer, that we need to start our own online store. And uh, there were many doubters um, at that point, but I said, "We're it, there's plenty of room. It, it's we're not competing against Amazon. Yeah. We are uh, servicing the consumer." And um, but again, like when you have these glimpses, when you have these times when you know maybe the other side of the table isn't act- exactly telling you what you want. You have to say, what can we do? Mm-hmm. What can I do? Yeah. Right. What is my goal? My goal is to support consumers. Well, plan A isn't going to work. So what's plan B and how am I going to make that happen? Yeah. Now that's, that's golden advice because for most small business owners, we're always worried about what people think about us versus mm-hmm. what our consumers care about. And so we kind of get off you know, focus. And so that's a, that's a very valuable information. I don't, I know we only had so much time scheduled. We're, I can't believe we're out of time. Any last words of wisdom, advice, tips that you could give small business owners to take their business to another level? I think it's really important uh, to, to find time to think, right? I think oftentimes we get into operating the day to day and uh and kind of going through the grind going through the hustle of um of making sure that we're you know growing sales we're um increasing profitability all of those yeah. things but i think often what i find is most helpful is actually scheduling out time to just think mm. right and spend time, maybe that thinking is actually, you know, talking to your customers, sitting on a uh, customer service um, line if you happen to 
have that as part of your small business or um, spending time in stores, right? That where you're able to kind of get close to the consumer and hear what they're saying. You sometimes don't even have to ask any questions, right? You can see how they, um, you know, navigate your site or what kind of questions uh, are they asking? What, what isn't, totally clear where else do they shop right what what else are they doing all of these kind of things will help you to make decisions around what else is needed what else can you do to really service this consumer and i think so often we're you know we're in the hamster wheel we're just trying to keep up um versus actually trying to figure out you know sit back and think a little bit and really schedule that time. And I find myself even getting into that hamster wheel, right? Yeah. Where you're just constantly going versus actually trying to schedule that time. And I think that that is probably um, a great reminder uh, for for people that, you know, maybe are feeling overwhelmed or just trying to keep up. It's like, if you can actually get a grip on, you know, who your consumer um what is your consumer thinking? What are they doing? What else are they doing? Um, what are trends that are really important? Um, how did somebody else handle a problem uh, that that seems similar to yours? Um, maybe that maybe that's exactly what you need in order to figure out how to move forward. Yeah, that's that's solid. I always say you got to take care of number one first because no one else will. And you're totally. just confirming that. So, Kara, keep on impacting the world, businesses, people, consumers, health, all that good stuff. I look forward to seeing how far further you go. And uh, if you're not connected or following Kara, please do on LinkedIn. Very inspiring every day. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. I like to end our shows with a coaching moment where I can recap the show maybe hit some bullet points that our guest has spoken about, and then also leave you with action items. So you're getting free business coaching. If you want real business coaching, go to my page, michaeldmorrison.com. And in the upper right-hand corner, there's a let's chat button. Let's have a conversation first. You can also find out more about how business coaching can help you. For today's show, Carrot was very inspiring and, and impactful. She shared that, All businesses, all businesses have failures. All businesses have pivots. It's finding the solutions that can take your business to the next level. As Richard Branson says, a big business starts small. You heard it first from Kara Golden, who worked at some of these big, well-known companies, America Online, Ted Turner companies, Jeff Bezos company. Now she didn't work for all these, but she was associated with them in some capacity. And as she described, every business has its trials and tribulations. You just have to be able to overcome those. And my coaching moment for today for small business owners is to look for your inspiration. If money is your only object, it's more than likely you probably won't pass that money target. Because once you've succeeded at that target, what else is there to to live for, to keep pushing and plowing forward? As I mentioned before in the show, most small business owners that we work with, when they put a target only of a million dollars, once they get there, they're like, I thought it would feel different. And it doesn't. 
It's just another milestone. So your action item today is find your inspiration. Hers was being called sweetie. That's one of them. In other words, she didn't say it, and I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but it sounds like that was her defining moment of, I'll show you. Watch and see. My defining moment was in high school when we were asked from the teacher, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I mentioned entrepreneur. She asked what type of entrepreneur, and I said, I want to landscape homes, gardens, and the most popular kid in class yelled out, I wouldn't let you landscape my doghouse. And of course, everybody laughed except for me. That was over three decades ago. And that's still my inspiration because that's the perspective that I thought others had of me as well as myself. And so I wanted to prove them wrong. So your action item is to go find your inspiration. Find that defining moment that sets you on fire. And then secondly, make a plan. And don't just stop at a million dollars or five or 10. Think about in 10 years from now, what kind of lifestyle do you want to have? And then build a business around that. It's possible that you could build a huge business and possibly not run it. You can hire a CEO. The the opportunities are endless, as you've heard from Kara. But as Kara said, you just have to overcome those doubts and doubters. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. I would love to hear from you too, so feel free to DM me. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Undaunted, where I share more about my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.